so let's see. Back in 2014, I did a, a video, in fact, a series of five videos on achieving great intonation. In those videos, I spoke about my fingering board. I even I believe I even showed it to you. Well, it's been a while since then, so I propose that we have a deeper look at my version of the fingerboard, as I believe that it offers quite a few interesting possibilities beyond what I mentioned way back then. So here it is again. Let's have a look. By the way, I made my first fingering board back in the 80s in France while teaching at the conservatory in lavallois perret Well, when you look at it, I mean, it's fairly obvious what's going on, as each dot or circle represents the distance of one half step from the other. In my latest version, that distance reduces itself as it gets higher and higher, just, just like on the violin. So you see, it's a very simple concept, a very simple visual aid. So how exactly do I use this visual aid? Well, I start by connecting it to a scale. First, I create a chart using the degrees of the scale, like, like this. And then I divide those degrees into tetrachords, like this. By dividing the scale into tetrachords, it resembles or mirrors the fingers on my left hand, of which there are only four if you remember. And by doing so, it describes visually the patterns used in scales. Here, have a look at a one octave major scale, A major. One of the hidden values in learning scales this way is that the pattern can be moved around without the need of knowing exactly what notes are involved. But before the criticisms rain in, of course, one needs to know how many sharps there are in the key of the scale that you're about to play. What this idea or concept does, however, is to begin an idea, start us thinking about how exactly to use our physical memory as it represents physical distances physical distances that we can see, that we can imagine. So now that all of this has been discussed, yet again, let's look further. Let's look at an ascending three octave B flat major scale. And let's break it down into tetrachordal patterns. Oh yes, here have a look at the fingering that I use. This fingering, of which there are four different types of fingerings, is basically used for any scale from B flat above. Granted, we need to start on the G string for this fingering to always work. First, here are the notes on the G string. They form the pattern half step, whole step, 
whole step. Now, okay, that's that pattern here. Half, whole, whole. Now let's look at the D string. We get this pattern. Whole, whole, whole. And on the A string, first we have on the bottom, whole, whole, half, with a shift. And then we get whole, whole, whole. On the E string, we get whole, whole, half, except there's a shift. Whole step shift, and then whole, whole, half. Those are the patterns for that ascending scale for B flat. Of course, using the same patterns, we could do D major. As I said, any, any scale above B flat that you start on the G string. Now, descending in the B flat scale, we the fingering changes just a bit. We can either do four, four, three, two, one, three, two, one, or four, three, two, one, four, three, two, one. So still the same. Ho ho half. Ho ho half. So with all of this. We have a fascinating, a very fascinating, at least to me, way to look at the scale, the three octave scale. But let's take it even further, even deeper. Let's have a look at double stops. First, let's look at sixths. Here, have a look on the staff. Why don't we say an A and an F sharp? This makes a major sixth. Or A to F natural, which would, of course, make a minor sixth. But a curious thing happens when we look at it on my fingering board, as this distance actually looks like a minor second or half step. You have to use your imagination. Or a whole step. It's with that leap in my imagination that I can say that wherever I am, it's a half step or a whole step when I'm talking about sixths. Major sixth, whole step. Minor, half step. Doesn't matter which fingerings. If I use two, three, whole step, half step. Wherever we are, whole step, half step. Looking at six this way is even useful when looking at octaves. Because that distance of the first finger to the fourth finger is very overwhelming. At least in my mind. And it can be very arbitrary as well. 
But if we use what we've learned with sixths, it can help us determine just where to place our fourth finger as we can measure the distance from our third finger. You see, if I want to play an octave, say from a B to a B, here is my whole step. Even when my finger is off the string, I still can measure the distance. And that helps me to locate where to put my fourth finger when I'm playing the octaves. I can even tell when it's out of tune just by looking. Here, I think that's better. So intervals can be measured using the fingering board in this way. It's almost like taking a 3D object and turning it into a 2D object. But if we're going to talk about double stops, we really need to talk about thirds. Thirds were, in fact, the starting point for this video. As when I tried to describe how I dealt with thirds, how I measured the distance for playing thirds, I kept coming back to my fingering board. So here we go. As you see, with thirds, or shall I talk about the fingering 3-1? You can, if, I don't know, for me at least, I found it very difficult to be exact with the distance between those fingers. You see, all my life, I tried to measure the distance for major and minor thirds using the two fingers that I used to play the thirds. I mean, that's what you do, right? Seems obvious. So, I would try to figure out that distance from one to three. Well, one day, it occurred to me that I was going about it all in the wrong way. Unfortunately, this happened a bit late in my life, but at least it happened. What occurred to me was the realization that I needed to determine distance for the third finger with my middle finger, my second finger. What I mean by this is that the distance between the second finger and the third for this major third is a half step. I can see that. I can then see that it's a whole step away from my first finger. I now have a, have a way, I have the ability to measure what's happening inside that third. I mean, if it were a minor third, then we've got a whole step and a whole step. And if I use the fingers two and four, or four and two, it's the same as my third finger allows me to measure the distance in the same way. Okay, so another way to use my fingering board would be to do what I call mapping. Mapping is like finding a route from one finger to another over a large distance. Take, for example, this excerpt from Beethoven's Romance in F Major, the one 
that goes from the open G to the F. So just how in the world do you find that F natural from the G while playing the G? Well, I can think of a couple of scenarios. One would be to play the G, and now at the same time, I'm going to go from the B to the D, the D to the F, and then it's only an octave away. How would that work? Here we go. Play the G. There's another way too. I could play the G and I could go from an F natural to an A. And a fourth away. Let's see. This is what I call mapping. Well, I hope this video is giving you a slightly deeper understanding of the possible uses of my fingering board. How I use my fingering board. Now, if you like my graphic and would like to have it, go to www.musyshare.net slash builds hyphen fingering board. You can download it there. And so with that, my name is William Fitzpatrick, and I am the Timianka Professor of Violin at the Hall Busco Conservatory of Music, which is located on the campus of Chapman University in Orange, California. I am as well the Artistic Director of the MusiShare Young Artist Program, which is located in Costa Mesa, California. Mm -hmm.